You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's going on? You guys know the deal by now. It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendas. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of this Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome back. I appreciate you guys for coming back to me for another episode of this great podcast. Today is going to be your Friday edition, which means it is the Fan Mail Friday edition of the pod. You guys shot me over a handful of questions, all good ones, a lot of which are related to free agency and certain players on the roster, obviously. And I'm going to dive through them and we're going to rip through them. And I'm always a little bit more juiced for these episodes. I don't really know why. I guess I just enjoy interacting with you guys and you guys always shoot me over some good questions and it's kind of good to bounce off of each other. I can feel out where you guys are and I'm sure you guys enjoy listening to me concoct some random scenarios and ideas for the roster and free agency and all of that. But we got plenty to dive into, so we're just going to get into it here. And I'm going to begin at the top with my guy Gabriel at G-B-R-I-E-L-G-T-Z. He said, if, and I know it's a massive if, Terrell Lewis remains healthy throughout the season. Do you think he can reach Leonard Floyd's level of production or even surpass it? And if that were the case, does that reduce the need to look for an edge rusher in the draft or in free agency? And, you know, I like where your head is going with this one because I think Terrell Lewis is a very talented player. And it's not the talent really that's holding him away from being able to take that next step into being a potential starter in the league and potentially replacing Leonard Floyd. But It's the issue of the injuries, and you said it's a big if, and obviously that's true, because Lewis has never really been able to stay healthy. Going back to his time at Alabama, I believe he was there for four, maybe even five years, and I think he might have had just one healthy season, comes into the league last season, couldn't stay healthy once again, but that's really the biggest issue, because on 81 pass rushing snaps, he managed nine pressures. That's pretty good, compared to a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day, he also had nine pressures on the season, that's as many as Lewis had. But he needed 193 pass rushing snaps to do it. So, you know, it's not really fair to compare Lewis, who is a pass rusher, to a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day, who is mainly a run stuffer. But I'm just kind of laying out the idea of just how efficient he can be as a pass rusher. Now, when you compare the deeper numbers, the efficiency numbers, Leonard Floyd had a win percentage of 10.8%, according to Pro Football Focus. Lewis, 8.6%. A pressure percentage for Leonard Floyd of 93 For Lewis, 11.1, and then a pass rush productivity of 5.8 for Floyd, and then Lewis with a 6.2. So obviously, it's going to be easier for Lewis to have a greater efficiency on such a much smaller sample size, but I do think it shows just how talented he is, just how much he actually has in his bag, and I actually loved the draft pick last year. A third-round dart for a guy who's very highly talented and has a lot of potential. Not only that, but I really like the way his body is set up. He's very long. He's got plenty of arm length to use with his pass rush moves. I thought he had some very good juice getting off the ball, off the snap, but at the end of the day, he's going to need to stay healthy. So I don't know if they can really rely on Lewis as a starter. I think he could be a very high-end backup, maybe a starter if he can stay healthy. But to me, you know, you got to still look at that edge rusher position in free agency because Terrell Lewis's health is just too big of a question mark at this point in time. The next question is from my guy, Will, at Will Carella. He said, name a player or a couple currently on our roster that you think will go from having a small role in 2020 to having a big impact in 2021. Kind of like who will be the next year's Darius Williams, my guy, D. Will. You know, I don't think I strayed too differently from 
where the consensus would be when it comes to guys they think are going to step up on the offensive side of the ball. Cam Akers, I think, is going to take the step from talented rookie and promising rookie season into that tier of potentially elite running backs. You know, Van Jefferson, I think, is going to be able to come in and have a six, seven, eight hundred yard season, depending on if anyone gets injured in front of him or if the Rams add a receiver in free agency or in the draft. I think both of those guys, Bryson Hopkins should take a step forward as the backup tight end. You know, he should be getting a lot more snaps in those two tight end sets. And really, he didn't do anything in his rookie season. So it's going to be hard for him to not improve in some to some degree. And then on the defensive side of the ball, a lot more of the same culprits. I think Terrell Burgess is going to be a tremendous player next season if he can stay healthy. Hopefully the ankle doesn't bug him too much, which knocked him out of this season. And depending on what the Rams do at the cornerback spot, if they bring Troy Hill back or if they don't, David Long could be a name that we should look out for as the nickel cornerback. I think that's probably his best role in the NFL. He's a smaller guy, so he probably shouldn't be playing on the boundary. And the Rams did have him playing on the boundary this past season. I think it was due to injuries and stuff. And it didn't look great, but it was a very, very small sample size. And David Long was a guy that I really loved coming out of Michigan a few years ago. So, you know, if there's a guy that could step up, ironically enough, in that same position group as Darius Williams, I think it's David Long. And I love Terrell Burgess. So I definitely expect him to take a big step forward in his development and ultimately what could be his first real legitimate season of playing time. The next question is from at Hayes Main Christian. He said, how does the formula work for tendered free agents getting the picks and such? I can't seem to get a clear answer anywhere. And it's essentially like this. If you tender a guy with the first round tender, a team can sign him to a contract, but then your original team, the team that had that player under contract the prior season, they get a chance to match it. So they could either match the contract that's given to said players. So I guess let's say Darius Williams in this example. And if they match it, Darius Williams has to stick with the Rams. He pretty much reverts back to their team. And if they don't match it, the other team that signed him to that contract then needs to give up a first round pick if the tender is a first round tender. And it works like that for the first round tender, the second round tender, obviously being if he gets signed and the team elects not to match it, it would be a second round pick instead of a first. And then the original round tender is a similar thing, except it's only a little bit different because instead of getting a first or a second round pick, you would get the pick that they were actually drafted in the same round. And Darius Williams, I don't believe was drafted. So the Rams ultimately would not get any draft selection. So that would be a risky move on their part. The reason there are three tenders and why a team might want to go with a second round tender or an original round as opposed to the first is because the first round tender is the most expensive. I think it's probably around four to five million. The second round tender, a little bit less, maybe 30% less off the top of my head, just taking a guess. And then the original round tender, obviously a little bit cheaper again. So you got to balance the idea of risk as well as salary, as well as the potential for another team to go get him. It's kind of a weird situation in terms of how you play it out. But to me, Darius Williams, I'm assuming you're probably asking because of him, special enough player to where you would slap the first round tag on him. And essentially, I don't think any team would be willing to pay him a boatload of money on top of actually having to also give up a first round pick. And so he would ultimately find his way back to the Rams unless something crazy happened. And I don't expect that to happen. So that's pretty much how that tender works. And that was the last question of this first segment. We're going to continue on in the next segment because you guys sent a bunch of good ones to me, some related to free agency and even the coaching staff, which has seen some big changes once again, as is every offseason. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. 
You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, rumors are swirling about how long Albert Pujols has left in baseball. Is he the best player of his generation? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Fan Mail Friday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for shooting over these good questions to me. And we're going to pick up right where we left off with the next question in line from at Rams 9920. What is your opinion on the top five most likely positions that would be targeted with the 57th pick? And I don't think I stray too far away from everyone else in terms of what the Rams need and what I think they should target. I think when it comes to the top five options at that 57th pick, you got to look at the interior offensive line, potentially even a tackle, which some people might not view as high of a need, but I think you got to have something planned for the post Whitworth days. Inside linebacker, the Rams don't really value the off-ball linebacker position, it seems. They haven't really invested much into it ever, at, at least not over the course of this regime. But I think the position is just so weak that you should probably look into trying to upgrade it. Edge rusher, like everyone else thinks, not that talented for the Rams. You've got to look at a potential replacement for Leonard Floyd. And then I'm going to throw in a bit of a curveball here, and I'm going to say receiver. I know they drafted Van Jefferson early last season. I know the Rams have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, a lot of talented receivers, but I would not be shocked if the Rams ultimately do look for a receiver, somebody that could take over for Robert Woods or Cooper Cup down the line, maybe next season, as well as somebody that offers that different versatility in terms of the ability to take the top off the defense, get vertical, stretch the field, return punts and kicks, because that's not something that the Rams currently have on the roster. The next question is from at Panini Nini. I love this question. She said, if you had to be stuck on an island with one player, who would it be? That's a good question. You know, I'm high energy, kind of always like bubbly, laughing and just positive. And, you know, when I look at the roster, I think the one player that probably really matches my energy, I think we would have a, a pretty good time, you know, talking to each other and entertaining each other. I would have to go with John Johnson. He's got that high personality that upbeat personality pure positive energy a lot of you know umph in his voice i feel like i'm kind of similar in that regard so i feel like me and john john uh you know if we're stuck on an island i think we would have a pretty good time on there and not only that but i think we would be smart enough to find our way off of it as well the next question is from my guy jason at turbo fargo he said given kevin carberry came from stanford should walker little be in the range of the Rams first pick. Do you think he influences whether they draft him or not? And if they did draft him, would you like the choice? And that is a really, really good question. I do think that it automatically does put Walker Little on the map in terms of the Rams potential pick at 57 or wherever else they may ultimately decide to look into drafting him. They have the in now in terms of Carberry obviously worked with Walker Little for a couple of years, had his hands all over his development, all things like that. He's going to know the kid in terms of his work ethic, his development, where he wins, where he doesn't, uh, what he does well. What kind of player is he? Is he a guy that's going to show up and work hard? Is he a guy that he can be 
you know, trusted off the field, on the field? Is he going to be a good teammate? All of these things. And it's nice because Carberry is obviously going to have that in and not just for Walker Little, but really every offensive and I guess even defensive player that went to Stanford over the last two or three or four seasons. So I do think that it does put Walker Little on the map for the Rams. Not that they wouldn't have been interested in drafting him before Carberry, but it definitely does heighten the intrigue a little bit. And I did mention it a few podcasts ago that, you know, we got to look out for a few Stanford offensive players now that Carberry was hired by the Rams. And in terms of, you know, does it influence whether they should draft him or not, or whether I would like the choice? You know, I do think he's going to have some influence in terms of, you know, if the Rams do look at offensive linemen and decide that we want to go with offensive line at pick 57 or pick 101 or 103, wherever it may be, a pick that is ultimately traded that they don't have yet. I do think Carberry is going to have a say in terms of what he wants and what he's going to require out of his offensive lineman. If he wants guys that move better and is going to run more outside zone-based stuff, then I think he's going to relay that information to the coaching staff, Sean McVay, the front office. I think they're all going to get together. I think everyone's going to have a voice and opinion. And ultimately, what the Rams decide to do with their offense is going to dictate what they want out of their offensive lineman. And ultimately, again, you know that is going to play a big role in terms of who they are interested in drafting, guys they think are worthy of being developed. And so I do think Carberry is going to have a nice voice in terms of what he wants on that offensive line. In terms of what I think of Walker Little, I've yet to dive into his tape, so I can't exactly say. Uh, looking at the PFF draft guide, though, they're very high on him. Lead draft analyst Mike Renner is very high on Walker Little, not necessarily saying that he's a top 32 talent or whatever. There's a lot of risk involved because I think he only played in one year of college football, essentially. I think one year he was lost to injury, and then this past season he opted out. So you know, it's a big, big unknown. But at the same time, that means that he might be available a little bit later than a guy of his talent should be. And so that could, you know, create that steel perception where you draft a guy that's a lot better than where his draft position dictates. And so, you know, I think ultimately if the Rams do draft him, I'm going to still have to watch tape to develop my real opinion on him. I think I would be happy with it because I do like the offensive line being addressed. I think it's a much bigger need for every single team in the NFL, not just the Rams. Every team should look into drafting offensive linemen every year. You can never have too many good players on that front. And ultimately, I do think that the longer Matthew Stafford can extend his career, the healthier he can be, the more time he has to throw the ball, the better the offense is going to be. So I'm all thumbs up for an offensive lineman at any point in the draft. The next question is from at Rams underscore all day. He said, I feel the Rams will let Leonard Floyd go as well as John Johnson. And that is because of our propensity for acquiring compensatory picks. What are your feelings about this strategy? I think Taylor Rapp and Terrell Burgess have enough to replace John Johnson. Same with Floyd. We have Okoronko, Lewis, and Hollins. And I love the compensatory pick formula as well as that strategy. The Rams have done that heavily over the last few seasons. Les Snead has always been happy to, not necessarily been happy to let his guys walk, but replace those veterans that walk with guys that were either cut or guys that are just not going to count against the compensatory pick formula. And ultimately, it's kind of like a loophole in terms of a way to get more draft picks. It's like trading a veteran away. It's very similar in terms of that. The Rams have gotten many draft picks over the years due to compensatory picks. Guys like Corey Littleton now, Dante Fowler, they're scheduled to get a third round and a fourth round pick for those losses, as well as Brad Holmes, the general manager. Now this is a new kind of twist in the compensatory pick formula, the whole, you know, African-American front office member, that kind of thing. 
that was never the case before. So now the Rams are also scheduled to get two third round picks for Brad Holmes, one in this year's draft, one in next year's draft. So, you know, I love the formula. I love addressing needs like this, getting free capital back. You can never complain about it. If you can find guys that are ultimately cut, that are as good as guys that are scheduled to just be outright free agents, you should absolutely look into trying to find a way to continue to add draft picks to your haul, especially when you're the Rams and you love to trade picks away. You're going to need more third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks in terms of the compensatory formula to help you kind of fill that gap of not having those first round picks, as well as just giving you more darts to throw at the dartboard. In the final segment, we're going to continue the questions with some inside linebacker questions, as well as the last few questions regarding the offense and the coaching staff. So please stick around for the last segment and make sure to keep coming back to us at the Locked On Rams podcast, where we're going to continue covering the Los Angeles Rams all offseason long. And next week, I will get my guy, Brad Spielberger, a colleague at PFF, a cap expert to help break down what the Rams look like in terms of their salary cap as of right now. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? You guys need to check out rockauto.com for your service needs. They're a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Yep, that's 20 years, not an exaggeration. And there's honestly no time better than right now to support a family-owned business with all of this COVID stuff going on. We know that. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and are looking for reliably low prices, you guys should absolutely check out Rock Auto. Just go to their website and check out all of their available parts. It's a never-ending list, and if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Fan Mill Friday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for sticking around this long and making it to the end of the episode. We have three more questions that we're going to get through in this segment, so let's just dive right back into it. This question is from at Henry Bear T. said, the Rams have finished their coaching staff. Do you think this coaching staff will bring the Rams more forward than the staff from last season? It's tough to say. You know, I wish I had a better answer and a concrete answer to give you, but a lot of these guys have never seen coach. To be honest, I haven't even heard of some of these guys. So, you know, I can't really give an opinion as to what I think of them and how I think they're going to perform individually and specifically. But what I can say is this. Sean McVay knows what he wants out of his coaching staff, what he wants out of his schemes and what he wants out of his players. And ultimately, you know, they have done a great job replacing all of the coaches that have left the team over the last three or four or five seasons. And, you know, they've earned the benefit of the doubt that they can find guys that are going to come into the building, do their job effectively, get the most out of their players, and eventually work their way up to another promotion at some other city and some other franchise. So, you know, ultimately what I will say is that I trust Sean McVay. I think he's going to design the staff how he wants it to be the most successful for the franchise as well as himself and for the team and the roster. And that's all we can really say at the end of the day. I don't know a lot of these guys, so I can't really say what I think of them. And even if we did know them, we don't know what hand they play in certain roles when it comes to the actual team. And so it's very hard for the fans and the media that aren't inside the building to actually really know and be able to give credit where it's due or, you know, take away credit where it might not be rewarded and warranted. But at the same time, all I can really say is, you know, the coaching staff is designed how Sean McVay wants it. He went to go get his guys to replace the guys that he lost. 
some of which he willingly let go. And ultimately, we can't really do anything but expect, you know, good things out of this coaching staff. And we're going to see what happens next season and next offseason. But I'm going to put my trust in Sean McVay and just assume, I guess, and give him the benefit of the doubt that he is going to develop another good, talented staff that's going to get the most out of his players. And he's been able to do that for four years straight. So I don't really see why that would change going into this next season. The second last question is from at Up and Comer Sports. He said, which Rams are most likely to regress positively or negatively next season? Also, is it just me or are Hopkins and Higby stocks about to shoot up big time next season? That is a very good question. First, I do agree that both Bryson Hopkins and Tyler Higby, their stocks are definitely trending upwards. First for Higby, you know, I just think he's going to be more involved in the offense when it comes to Matthew Stafford. I think Stafford's going to be a much more productive passer. He's going to have much more passing yards, much more passing touchdowns. Just spearhead a much more effective passing offense than Jared Goff did in 2019 and 2020. So that by virtue, I think is going to improve Tyler Higby's stock a tremendous amount. And then when you look at the backup tight end situation, Gerald Everett on his way out, it seems like the Rams are probably not going to get him back in the building. And if that is the case, then Bryson Hopkins, by virtue as well, jumps into that tight end two role and automatically he's going to improve on his statistics going back to his rookie season last year where he did absolutely nothing. So both guys I think are trending up, like you said. Now, in terms of the guys I think that are going to regress both positively and negatively, you know, I think Taylor Rapp is a very interesting name when it comes to the positive regression. Hopefully he can stay healthy because this last season he really couldn't. But at the same time, we've seen a similar type of thing with John Johnson in 20. 19, he had his worst season as a pro. He couldn't stay healthy. The Rams added Eric Weddle. It was a bit of a weird situation at that trio of safeties. And then John Johnson comes into this season healthy and he takes that leap into elite stardom at the safety spot. And I think Taylor Rapp can do something similar. Now, I don't think he's as good as John Johnson, so I don't think he's necessarily going to be elite next season, but I do think he could put together a lot better of a season, something similar to what he had as a rookie, maybe even another step forward. So I do expect him to positively regress. Now, in terms of the negative regression, I mean, it really depends. It's hard to say exactly who is going to be impacted negatively going into this season. If Leonard Floyd is back, I think he's going to regress because a lot of his sacks and Rob box score statistics came on the back of certain things like stunts and cleanup pressures and non high quality sacks. So you can't really rely on that kind of stuff to repeat year after year. And he's never hit double digit sack seasons before this past season. So, you know, if he does find his way back, I think he's a candidate for negative regression. Maybe somebody else in the secondary because they were the number one ranked secondary this past season. It's tough to do that year after year. And we do know that defense is less stable going from year to year. That's just the case. It's hard to be a very consistent defense in the NFL. It's hard to be the number one ranked defense last season and then to repeat again this season. So I think the defense as a whole is probably going to take a little bit of a step back. But if the offense takes a step forward and positively regresses like I expected to, and I think most people do, it probably won't really matter in terms of the actual record of the team or the success or how far they can actually go. Because at the end of the day, offense is what wins in this league right now. You got to score points and the Rams didn't really do a great job of doing that last season. So if we're talking about a whole type of thing, I think the defense negatively regresses maybe to a top five or top 10 defense, maybe not the number one defense. But at the same time, I think the offense does positively regress with the Matthew Stafford addition. 
going from you know a top 15, top 16 offense, whatever they were, to maybe a top 12, top 10, top eight type of offense. And ultimately, I think that's going to help cover the gap of where the defense does take a step back next season. The final question for this podcast is from at Stuart B underscore 31. He said, do the Rams make any changes or moves at the inside linebacker position this offseason? I'm not certain that they do, but I definitely think it is one of the positions that needs to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. It is by far the weakest position, in my opinion, on the roster. The edge rushers are probably right up there next to the inside linebackers, but I think they have more talent and more potential, I guess you could say, at the edge rusher spot and guys like Okoronkwo and Terrell Lewis, whereas the inside linebackers, I'm not sure that any of the three of Kenny Young, Micah Kaiser, or Troy Reader should be starting for the Rams or for any NFL team. If you put them on any other team, I'm not sure they start at all. So that really just speaks to how weak that position is for the Rams. I do think they should make a move at inside linebacker. It doesn't necessarily mean go spend your highest pick on a new linebacker in terms of the 57th draft pick, but there are plenty of free agents out there, high ranking guys like Levante David, who the Rams are probably not going to have a chance to add. But when you're looking at certain veterans, a guy that I really liked last season going into this season as well now is Patrick Owasso. He played for the Baltimore Ravens. He signed a one-year $2 million deal with the New York Jets last offseason. Did not play at all all season. I'm not sure what he had, some sort of ailment, some sort of injury, I guess, and is now going to hit the market again after a season in which he did not play and he had to settle for a $2 million deal last offseason. So as you can imagine, he's probably going to come dirt cheap for somebody this season. He's had a lot of starting experience. He's played a lot of football games in the NFL. I think you could absolutely toss him one, one and a half million dollars, and he could walk into the situation and start from day one. And not only that, but there are some names at the linebacker spot that I'm intrigued by in terms of the second round pick, maybe if the Rams do trade back, or even the third round, if certain guys do drop that far, guys that I'm interested in, guys that I like, Dylan Moses out of Alabama, Jabril Cox out of LSU that I really like him, but he's probably going to be on the higher end range of where he lands in the draft. And then another few names, maybe some later round guys, Cameron McGrone out of Michigan, KJ Britt, I believe he's out of Auburn, but I may be incorrect on that one. So apologies if I got your school wrong. And Tony Fields, the second out of West Virginia. Those are some of the guys I've gotten to watch so far. Some exposure to at the Senior Bowl. All guys I thought stood out, looked pretty good. And as we continue to dive into the draft prospects, I'm going to come up with more names that the Rams could ultimately address at that inside linebacker spot, as well as any other draft pick that they may be interested in using. That is all we got for you guys for this episode of the Fan Mail Friday edition. I appreciate you guys big time for always supporting and sticking around with me. Make sure to keep tapping in because we're not going to slow down on our coverage of the Los Angeles Rams this offseason. And I did mention it earlier, and I'm going to mention it again now. Next week, we're going to have a salary cap expert, my colleague at PFF, Brad Spielberger. He's going to join me. He's going to share the status of where the Rams are in terms of the salary cap, some moves they may be able to make, some moves that we should expect the Rams to make going into the offseason and free agency here in a few short weeks. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.